everybody. I'm Jason Wood, host of the Armed and Ready podcast and your VA loan guy. I uh, wanted to welcome you to another episode today. We have a really good guest with us, Knight Campbell, who is um, a Navy veteran and a total leadership guru. So we wanted to, uh, to welcome you, Knight, to the show. And, uh, and thank you for talking to us a little bit today about you know, your past and your military experience and everything. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Excited to be here and share whatever maybe I can help. And uh, any good leadership guru would tell you that they don't have it all figured out and probably never will. So <laughs> I'll dive in with you. That's the truth, man. Well, um, for um, for those that aren't familiar with who you are, um, I think you have a pretty cool story. And if you want to kind of take us through that, but um, you know, you're in the Navy, you went to the Naval Academy, and have really pursued leadership as you know, your career path now. Um, so walk us through that. I, I tried going to the military academy. So I, I have a little bit of an idea of, you know, the process of trying to get in and, and so forth. But walk us through, like, what what triggered in your brain to say, hey, I want to try and get into an academy. And being, was it always a dream to be in the military? And just kind of walk us through, you know, that process a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'll try to keep it somewhat short. My grandfather flew... Uh, for the Navy and went to the Naval Academy in 1935, which is, you know, I saw his class ring as a kid and the crest was pretty much worn off. It's pretty cool to see that. And uh, that put the idea in my head. And, you know, honestly, I went back and taught at the Naval Academy. I think about this or thought about this a lot. You know, everybody feels this pressure, like, oh, I wanted to serve my country and valor and, and bravery and honor. And it seemed like a good idea and you got paid to go and you had a career afterwards. And, uh, and that's honestly a lot of why I went. And then all those other things kind of, you learn those along the way, you have experiences with your sailors and you step into leadership and then you see that in action. At least that's the way it was for me. I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was it like going to school at the Naval Academy? I mean, I know like your freshman year, your plebe year can be pretty intense. Um, but what was it like? It was terrible. And I'll say, you know, the day I drove across the bridge, uh, we call it the O-S-H-I-T bridge, because when you're coming back, you're like, oh, no, here we go again, another semester. Uh, I was like, I, I think I, I was talking to my girlfriend then, wife now, and I was like, we're never coming back here. Uh, and then, you know, you grow up a little bit and you realize what an amazing opportunity that was and what all you did learn and the incredible friends you made through that experience and I ended up back there teaching and, and absolutely loved it the second time around. And there was a lot, I, I say that facetiously, there's so much good in that place and in that, the culture and the institution itself that uh, I just wasn't mature enough to see the first, first time around and, and really appreciate it much more now. That's awesome. So um, once you graduated, obviously you're commissioned and what was your job in the Navy? I was a helicopter pilot by trade or started out that way and um, kind of fell into the leadership development world after going through flight school and flying and deploying a couple of times and, and seeing how powerful leadership could be, right? Seeing out on deployment when you have this amazing opportunity on a destroyer to really lead the people you're leading without a lot of interference, which is uncommon in the military, right? Normally you have someone looking and, and talking and emailing and on, you know, video teleconference, writing combat these days. And it just doesn't happen on a destroyer because we don't have good bandwidth. So it's a blessing for us 
And I realized how much responsibility and how much impact you can have as someone who cares as a leader. Uh, and then I went back to the Naval Academy again, mostly because I wanted to co-locate with my wife. And it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did because I got that opportunity to, to teach leadership and dive into it and study it. You know, you experience it in the fleet and then it's different to study it and say, oh, that's what I saw or that's not what I saw or, you know, put, put the theory to action there. Uh, and that's where I kind of got this bug to pursue leadership and development and try to do it the best way possible. That's great. Um, any interesting stories you have from your military time? How long, how long did you serve? So I, I still am a reservist, and this is year 14, I guess, which is kind of crazy. Wow. I did 10 years on active duty before I, I left the active, uh, went reserves and started this career. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you got to see like some pretty cool parts of the world because you're on a ship, right? Uh, what, what was one of your favorite spots that you got to see? Uh, I liked all of them. I loved Hong Kong. Uh, it was just a cool experience to go there. And I really liked the Philippines because Manila is this place where there's chic, ultra urban, modern building right next to old Spanish and U.S. influence right next to you know, extreme poverty. And it's just a interesting way to experience the human experience and, and see that dramatic shift in, in a block, in a block of a city. Uh, so I really liked Manila and I could go on and on. There, there are so many places. Kota Kinabalu, one of my favorite memories, climbing a 13,000 foot mountain with some friends on the air deck and people from the ship and uh, coming down and, and then there's this little bar where you could buy fish at the market and then just go grill it and buy, you know, a dollar or two beers. Uh, so those, those little memories that stick with you. That was really yeah, fun. That's really cool. Um, so you got, you got really into, I guess, mountain climbing a little bit. You, I saw that you're doing quite a bit of that um, to help you with, you know, kind of teaching and leadership and how it all um, ties together. Um, but um, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the mountain climbing things, like, cause you've done some impressive stuff now, um, as it re reflects back on you know, what you've done with, uh, you know, climbing mountains and, and that, that, ath that athlete in you, you know? Yeah. So, so funny. So I, in the, in active duty uh, in the Navy, I was a triathlete. My wife was a sponsored triathlete, went and competed for the Marine Corps in Switzerland and, and we're like, that's all we're ever going to do. You know, this is, I can't imagine doing anything else. And again, a couple of years later, a little more maturity. And I'm like, well, actually life changes and that's not it. Uh, and mountain climbing is now that thing. Hopefully it sticks. Uh, but yeah, mountain climbing in, I guess, 2006, when we graduated, my wife and I went and tried to do Mount Whitney. Uh, it's the highest peak in the lower 48, 14,500 roughly. And uh, we were completely unprepared. We went up with these crampons that don't have points on the toes. We were about a thousand feet up this ice chute and kept slipping and falling. We're <laughs> like, this is a really bad situation. Uh, so obviously we loved it and just kept wanting to go back and back. And so we try to, we want to climb the high point in every state, which has been awesome because you see like, when else would you, hopefully you're not from Kansas, but when else would you go explore Kansas? Uh, right. Yeah. Turns out Kansas has some awesome stuff that you know it's really cool to have that reason to go check it out. All of our states have something, something to to check out. 
and that just led into more climbing, more climbing. We'd go to, you know, Montana. Now we need to learn how to rock climb. We'd go to Mount Rainier in Washington. Now we need to know how to deal with glaciers. And, and over the 10 years of active duty, we just, every chance we got, would go climb a mountain and, and get a little more experience. And then when we went back to the Naval Academy, uh, the Mountaineering Club there was looking for people to help guide them on Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Are you familiar with that mountain? No. Yeah, it's, it's one of the deadliest mountains in the United States. Um, wow. Particularly in the winter, it's got 100 mile an hour winds, negative 80 degree wind chill. Uh, every time we guided it, it was completely whited out. So you couldn't see where you were going. And that's where I started to realize, like I was teaching leadership in the classroom. I'm pretty good at it. Still a third of the class was usually, you know, like nodding off. <laughs> I think I'm doing a good job. What's wrong with you? No one fell asleep in 80 mile an hour winds uh, in whiteout conditions. You know, they were there. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. And what a what an amazing way to, to tap into who you are and what your strengths are and what your limits and breaking points might be and how you show up as a leader. Because, you know, we'd have leaders of, of different groups of people on the mountain and, you know, ask, you ask someone, hey, is everyone okay? And they're like, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to, like, stay alive myself. That's, that's a good insight, you know, as a leader. We all hit that point and we need to have a plan for it. So. Yeah. So you, you, what was the, um, I guess, what was the, the thought process on transitioning to, you know, leadership as really like your civilian career yeah. path now? Like, and, and what does that entail? Do you do like consulting for organizations or individuals or tell us a little bit about the business side? Oh man, I can, I can go on and on. Um, what, what is that? Yeah, what's different about us? You know, first of all, the outdoors is a, an incredible place. It makes you happier, healthier, more creative, and there's a lot of science that backs that up. So it's kind of interesting that all I really need to do is take leaders outside, and we've already created a ton of value. But what we do at Karen Leadership is this experiential learning. So we use the theory, we use the research that shows how people learn, and what we do is we experience something, and hopefully we take some time to reflect on it and say, well, you know, that didn't go so well or that went really well. Why did it work? And then we try to transfer it to the rest of our life. And a lot of leaders don't have time to do that. They don't, you know, we're going from thing to thing to thing and, and we're always kind of frenetic and you never have time to sit down and say, well, what worked and what didn't and what kind of person, how do I want to show up? You know, what kind of habits and character do I want to have? And that's what we build. So it wouldn't, wouldn't call it consulting. That's more telling people what to do. It's more uh, taking people outdoors, challenging them. We, in all of our events, we like to you know tell people, we hope you wish you didn't sign up at some point. And we hope <laughs> it's not the last moment, moment, you know, like hopefully that's in the middle somewhere. Uh, but that's, that's where we learn. People need to be uncomfortable and the mountains bring a lot of discomfort and just these incredible moments of awe and perspective and, peace when you sit you know you watch a thunderstorm roll away after it's trounced you and you're soaking wet and cold and then you got a campfire and things are okay again you're like wow if I can deal with that I can deal with anything so that's that's a lot um, of what we do in current leadership but as a veteran and I'm, I'm thinking about this I've got a presentation for uh, North San Diego Chamber 
on Friday. So I'm thinking about this a little bit. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, it wasn't looking back, it seems like a pretty clear path to where I am, but it was not a clear path. And, and I went down a lot of wrong roads. I did a whole semester in a PhD program that I hated and it was incredibly difficult to quit that. You know, I was getting paid. They were giving me a stipend. I was getting a free education and a PhD from a, a great university. And it's hard to turn down. And, and I think like, veterans need to hear that. And they need to uh, understand that you're going to make mistakes. And think about, I, it breaks my heart to see all these people who were in my shoes when I was there just saying, well, I guess program management is what I am good at. I'll just go do program management. It pays good. And then they hate it. You talk to all these people and they hate their lives. They're working 80 hour weeks and something that they have no passion for. And they never knew how to dig into what they care about, what their values are and where they want to make a difference in the world. Because for better or worse, the military tells you that. And it's a good thing. Like we need to be behind the mission and service. Right. And just like, I don't know what to do now. I, I don't know. You know, no one's telling me what my values should be or what I should care about. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting when you mentioned the outdoors part, and I'm not a mountain climber by any means, but um, used to be a pretty big, like, downhill ski person. And so I know, like, the mountains for me would provide kind of that time for um, reflecting and and retrospect a little bit to just have some thought, right? There's no distractions, you know, phones and computers and people, right? You're just by yourself, the mountain air, something about the mountain air, right? And just the peacefulness up there. Um, and I, it, it's totally relatable for me. Like, as I look, as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking about, you know, like my job now and doing loans and managing a, you know, a, a team and everything. And I think about often like, man, when am I going to get some time to sit and think about how we're going to improve a process or implement a process or, you know, like how am I going to sit and just spend some time thinking? Um, and so it's, it's truly one of those things. I mean, like anything you, you want to accomplish, you got to schedule it out, right? You got to, you have to make the time for it because the time won't create itself. Um, but yeah, it's just, you're, you're just like, like alarm bells are going off every time you, you're mentioning that stuff, you know, because I, I see myself struggling with the same thing, you know, yeah. taking that time out. You got to do I struggle it. With it. And it's my business. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody struggles with that. And, uh, yeah time outside so what was your favorite place to ski i love love skiing and snowboarding too gosh i would say um one of my i would i, I probably got a, a tie uh one of my favorite places is uh kirkwood okay yeah. Tahoe, um and mammoth nice I really really love those now my my exposure in skiing is everywhere in the sierras i think i've skied every resort in the sierras oh. uh, but nothing, and I've, I've skied a couple in Colorado, but nothing in, nothing in Utah or Washington or, or on the East Coast. So I don't have that to compare it against. But um, from what I understand, the argument is the Sierras is probably some of the, the best skiing in, in our country anyway. So, um, yeah, skied some really beautiful places. Where's yours? That's a tough question. I, I love Washington. I love Big Sky in Montana. And we do a lot of backcountry skiing, and the Sierras are incredible. It's, uh, it's funny, I started out, we, we struggled halfway up Mount Whitney and had to turn around because it was the right thing to do. And then after two more times of attempting, we eventually skied it. So, oh, there you go. It was, yeah, it was an incredible experience coming, coming down through the backcountry there. 
yeah, I'll, that place is definitely on my on my list. I, I need to go take four or five days and go ski there. I mean, the mountain's humongous, so um, it's gonna take some time. But yeah, that's definitely one of my my favorite things to do is to ski. Yeah, that's that's so cool. We talk a lot about flow in in our business and trying to help leaders and and teams access flow. And uh, it's just a state of mind where you're totally focused. It's that, you know, you start in the morning and, and then your spouse or one of your employees knocks on the door and they're like, hey, uh, it's dinner time. That that moment, you're so totally into it. And skiing, Mihai Chitsat Mihai is, is the researcher who came up with this. And he talks about skiing a lot, you know, that edge to edge, that perfect turn where you're just totally immersed in the experience. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, I never thought of that before. That's cool. What's, um, who's a leadership, uh, influence for you? Any, any, you know, name like, a uh, any famous names or any, any people that really helped influence you? Yeah. Lots of people. It's so funny. I think about this and most of my best bosses and best leaders, I didn't like at the time, you know, they made me uncomfortable. They pushed me. I wasn't like, Oh, I can't wait to go to work with this person. It's like, Oh no, they're going to call me out for my mistakes and they're going to, hold me accountable to who I could be. Uh, so there are a lot of stories like that. One of the leaders, I was just talking to my business partner this morning, uh, Master Amos, I guess Grandmaster now, Amos Johnson, he was the uh, person who ran the Naval Academy karate team where I met my wife and I was the captain there. And uh, we had a master before that and he kind of believed in this iron sharpens iron and you have to be hard and all of this, which is not untrue. Um, and then, Master Johnson came in and I was kind of getting into leadership and I was trying to like act cool. And I was like, Oh, you know, sir, like a lot of these people don't look like they can hack it. Like they're not going to be hard enough. And he just looked at me. He didn't even know me. He looked at me. He's like, well, I believe in making lemonade out of lemons. So I think they will be just fine. And, uh, you know, that stuck with me. It still sticks with me. I, I get a little choked up thinking about it. And, you know, I thought I was like hard and all special. Really, I was one of the lemons he was crafting at the time. You know, I learned so much from that man uh, in terms of leadership. So, yeah, Grandmaster Johnson would be one. Probably not, a lot of people don't know. I, I don't I don't listen to, you know, the leadership gurus. I don't know if I'm, I'm that too much. We like to really look into research and different, you know, empirical theories. And, and it's boring. It's boring stuff. <laughs> you got to discover it and pull it out, you know. Uh, these 30 page papers in leadership quarterly or whatever, but uh, those are the people, those people that make you see the world in a different way, I think are the best leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. I, I um, you know, I, I sign up and, and have a private coaching, you know, for my business, which you know, there's a lot of, a lot of leadership training and, and coaching in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, no one famous that you would, you would hear of or, find a New York Times bestseller. But you know, there are, you know, the famous ones too. And probably one of my favorites is, is John Maxwell. And uh, I just really love reading the stuff that he has. And I've seen him speak a few times too. And um, wow. that's great. Yeah. Super brilliant guy. Um, and you know, carved his path in, you know, in the same career fields, you know, into leadership. Um, and clearly he's a known name for that. But um, yeah, I think sometimes it's it's those, you know, unknown people like you were mentioning that have the greatest impact on us. Cause any of us could go buy a book and pick it up and, and, and honestly gain something from it. Right. Um, but that personal one-on-one -on -one experience, I think that's one of the cool things about 
the military that we've all got a chance to experience, which is different than like corporate America, you know? Um, you know, leader, the one thing the military is, one of the things the military is really good at doing is creating leaders. And, um, and you know, like anything, there's good ones and bad ones. But um, I think the one of the biggest takeaways that we get as, you know, service members is that opportunity to work with different leaders who are being trained to be leaders, right? Um, which is different than in the civilian world because oftentimes, you know, your, your leader quote unquote in the civilian world isn't necessarily being trained to lead, you know, they're in a position of authority for whatever reasons and, and probably well-deserved. Um, but typically the, the leadership training piece of it isn't there. So, um, definitely a cool experience that, you know, we've all got to have, um, yeah, and, and seeing the different styles and stuff, you know, it's a skill and something you know people you're not born a leader some people are just are naturally talented for sure but anyone can be a leader if they work at it and no one will be a good leader if they don't put the effort and the reps in to have good character uh, i think it's so interesting too a lot, often i get this response of people saying well you're in the military what do you know about leadership like don't people just tell you to do stuff and then you do it and uh <laughs> thought about that a lot but really it's the opposite right like you don't have bonuses you have no extrinsic or outside incentive to give people and you're asking them to put their life in jeopardy uh, it's profound the leadership that you need to have to, to ask people to do that when you can't even say like I'll pay you more like you have a flat rate uh, so I, I think the military does breed really great leaders for that reason you have to you know connect with people inspire them speak to them on their level, tailor your, your style and your approach to those, that particular person, bring the best out in that person. Cause you're not going to get another one either. You typically can't fire people. You get who you get. And if you don't make the most of it, if you don't make the lemon lemonade out of the lemons then your unit will suffer. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. In the civilian world, you know, you can fire people and you can incentivize them with bonuses and performance this and performance that, but that's not true in the military. Just like you said, you've got who you've got and you got to make the best out of it. And, and, and it's funny that you hear that people don't think there's a lot of leadership in the military because, you know, I see it in the same like that you do obviously having served, but, um, you know, yeah, you're, you're asking people to risk their life and, oh, not only am I asking you to risk your life, I'm asking you in this next effort to give 110% of everything you have, both mentally, physically, and emotionally for the next X amount of time. And you could live or die at the end. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And that X amount of time will probably be extended as we all know in the military. Right. Yeah. It, it likely will. Be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot to learn, but, and there's a lot to learn on the civilian side too. And there I've seen increasingly great leaders on both sides. So that's, that's what the world needs these days for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just, 2020 I, I saw an interesting meme on social media that that's something to the effect of like let's just be done with 2020 i mean this year has been just a three-ring circus if you look at everything that's happened and happening right now um what a wild year and with you know a presidential election coming up at the end of it it's not going to get any less wild between now and then right it's just going to be a crazy ride um so yeah i mean you know, 
leadership is, is certainly one of those things where we're all in desperate need of, of it right now, you know, at every level, you know, not just um, in our jobs or just at the presidency level, but there's, you know, all the levels in between that ability and that, that need for leadership is so great. Uh, what, what's next on the horizon for you and in, in your, your business and where do you see yourself trekking and, and, and goals you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, great question. Uh, our vision is to create chapters and select cities across the U.S. And, you know, my, the story that I envision is a CEO from Miami, New York, San Diego, and Seattle all sitting around a campfire in, in the Grand Canyon or some amazing place uh, talking about some leadership issue or, or challenge and helping each other solve those problems. Uh, so that's that's the vision where we're going. And uh, you know, every trip outside is, is another step in that direction. So it's pretty cool. We get to, you know, go rock climbing or backpacking or camping and that's that success. So that's, that's the vision and, and uh, finding the right people. And, you know, half of those maybe are military and half of them are not because you need that balance, but people who know how to lead and people who know how to keep people safe and I look for, you know, I talk to people who guide for us and I, I'm, I say, I want you to keep people safe, but I want you to put them way further into that risk envelope than the normal guide service would be. I want people to be uncomfortable and feel like something really could happen, not just, oh, well, it might will keep me safe, but like, oh, is night paying attention? Like, I don't know if this is right, because that's, again, where you learn. That's, that's where you're like, oh, I guess I have to make a decision. And then you can go and reflect on that decision that was real. It's not like sitting around a table and, you know, doing trust falls. Well, right. And I think it's probably become cliche, but put yourself in uncomfortable situations, right? To really learn and grow. And it's probably one of those things that's said so much, it doesn't have quite the impact that it really deserves. But, you know, if you, you know, we just had that, that really cool series with Michael Jordan and their run, you know, that was on TV and stuff. And, um, and I've seen different quotes from him and other athletes, but, um, you know, it's indicative of seeing a quote from an athlete where they're talking about, you know, constantly putting themselves in uncomfortable positions, uncomfortable situations, which has forced them to get better, right, at their skill or their trade. And I think sometimes we hear that and we think, oh, yeah, that's a Michael Jordan deal. I'm a guy that works in an office, right? Like, it's, it's equally as applicable in that if you really have any desire to, to grow and change and be better, right? Because... You know, if it was, if it was just showing up and that was it, we'd all be the best of the best and amazing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's not easy. It's not. And it doesn't have to look like a mountain. Like obviously that's, that's my shtick, but asking someone for feedback that you know, you probably don't want to hear or giving someone that feedback that they need to hear, but you don't want to give. I mean, those are super uncomfortable things to do. Uh, you know, going in and like right now, this the, the world crisis right now, like having these tough conversations about race and how do you wrap your head around that and do the right thing as a privileged white male, really uncomfortable. Like we have, we have a lot of opportunities to be uncomfortable and we don't take them often. We often, you know, go the other way and uh, try to create a backstory that makes it okay to not have been uncomfortable. Yeah, you're totally right. Totally right on that. Um, well, I, I really appreciate you giving us some time today. I know that you've got a lot going on in your business and prepping for your next, your next event. Um, 
with the chamber. But um, really, it was a pleasure to meet you. Another local San Diegan um, military guy, and um, learned a lot today. And I, I hope that we provided some value for you know our audience as well because uh, super super good stuff, man. So thanks so much for sharing with us. Um, how can people connect with you um, if they want to? reach out for you know one of your leadership courses or something yeah easiest way is the website karenleadership.com c-a-i-r-n leadership.com uh, it's just the stack of stones that people leave to show people the way when they might not know it uh karen uh, knight at karenleadership.com is my email and 410-980-6458 is the number little annapolis throwback with the 410 so there you go Happy to hear from people. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this stuff and any opportunity we have to, to pay it forward to veterans uh, who are transitioning, I think is incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you too, man. And thanks so much. Um, and for information, you, everyone can go to uh, valonguy.us. Also um, connect with me. We can get you connected with Knight and um, in his group there too, if you have any interest or any questions that we can answer for you or thoughts. Um, we would love to get your thoughts. So, you know, leave us a comment, hit a like or a share. Um, and, you know, let's, let's all spread the word on, on leadership. We, we need it. We need it bad in our, in our country and our communities right now. Um, so hopefully some of this message can uh, resonate with those that you know and love. Thanks again for coming by Honored Ready Podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Take care.